1: This is a podcast from Minute Media. <laughs>
2: it would be a wolf, but eh? hey, people might <laughs> get witty here for world.
3: in the Hello, one and all. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the latest pre-match episode. Come on, you (laughs) gooners! We've got probably the biggest football fan in the UK at the moment. One of the biggest Arsenal fans in London. I've got Gary Pell with me from the Libertines. DJ, producer, humanitarian, composer, father. Just all-round good guy. How's it going, Gary? And most importantly... He's an absolute gooner, folks. I I was surprised how serious this guy is. A He's got his gooner top there. G-Dog 27 (laughs) on the back. It's an absolute pleasure to get one quarter of what I class as the greatest UK rock and roll band in history. Some people might say other bands, as far as I'm concerned.
0: I might say other bands.
3: (laughs) I'm. I'm disagreeing with you. you. You can be modest all you like, Gary. But as far as I'm concerned, no, no one holds a candle to my boys, the Libertines. How are you? Where are you currently? What have you had for tea tonight? And how are you, just in general?
0: I haven't had tea yet. Um, I kind of got a got my kids ready for school. Um, this is my studio, so I come down and I just go. To, I just go to work and I do everything from here. So I spend the majority of my day. In my studio and let's do my record label stuff that's doing whatever else we're printing off stuff for my missus blah 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 i'm literally here all day long if you look behind me it's a good thing that's my drinks cabinet so i just keep all my drinks down there so i i literally live um here i'm in i'm i'm here for like 18 hours a day and then i'll sleep for the rest i don't i don't venture into, into the rest of the house i just stay here i literally don't see anybody all i need is my studio equipment and my booze and work and i'm
3: happy what's what's in that glass tonight we had a bit of a conversation off there i think it's a whiskey you so jack daniels fan i was a jack daniels fan i was a jack daniels fan when i when i dj'd
0: a lot because it was the one time when i used to get really really nervous because playing playing with the libs and playing with what uh, play, playing drums basically um you have your armor which is your drum kit directly in front of you and then you have extra armor have the rest of the guys in the band directly in front of you so it's kind of like you you, you feel like you have a little bit of a safety net whereas when you DJ it's pretty much with with me for the majority it's me in front of people playing music that generally speaking some of it they don't want to hear Some of it they really want to hear. I kind of, I might, my, my, my sets are kind of block party sets. I kind of like, because I'm, because I, I really do like to DJ, I like to scratch it up and put mixes together and all that type of nonsense. I like to do that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to be into what you do. Whereas when you come to see a libertine show or a special show or a new doll show or whatever, you're into that. You're totally into it. So when you're DJing, it's about winning people over. So I was really, really—I I still am to this day. I'm still very, very nervous about every time I go and DJ. So I kind of, not so much now, but I used to—I used to drink a lot of whiskey when I DJ. I'd go through a, through a DJ set. I'd just they'd just give me a bottle of whiskey, a bottle of Jack Daniels, and I'd knock a bottle of Jack Daniels back while I'm DJing. Whether it was an hour set, a two-hour set—if it's a two-hour set, it would be more than that. If it's an hour set, I'll just knock back a, 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 just one bottle of Jack Daniels. Just so I can get through the set. Just so I don't have to think about it, and I don't have to worry about it. Because it's a, it's a nerve-wracking thing putting yourself on the line like that to people's kind of, people's opinions, people's criticisms. And you know, you know, regardless of which, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I can I consider myself, um, I guess, I consider myself a musician. But at best, I'm just an entertainer. That's, that's you know, if, if, if you disagree with the fact that you, you, if you, if you disagree with the fact that I think I'm, an, I'm a musician, then you can't disagree with the fact that I, my job is to entertain, so I'm an entertainer. And it re- sometimes it's really, really difficult to actually think about yourself as an entertainer, knowing full well that you're gonna receive criticism 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 from from people watching you do what you do so why just used to knock back a couple of bottles of jack Daniel's a night
3: one bad out, song in a set list Gary and you your whole credibility is gone isn't I've it? it
0: I've done it so many times I remember one I remember one time I did it I was I, it was go, it was going so so well and then I think I was in um I think I was in Newcastle and the promoters, they kind of like came up and they because usually I just kind of like make sure of It's just me on the stage, so so I can actually get used to the equipment that's in front of me because for the majority of the time it's not my equipment. So I want to get used to all of the equipment that's in front of me so I can do my thing, scratch and put the mixes together and 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 put all my what, what, whatever nonsense together. And um, and it was going re- it was going really really well the producers, the promoters, sorry, they were all at the side of the stage and they were giving thumbs up and stuff. And they were like, yeah, this is really, really cool. This is awesome. And I was knocking back my Jack Daniels as a, as a And Then they all came onto the stage and I just kind of like, just kind of like eased into it a little bit and then just kind of pressed play and just kind of stood there having a little bit of a chat. I was like, I was feeling really, really comfortable. And then this track came into my mind. I think it was by um, Le Rhythm Digital or something, but so a track that literally nobody knows. And I was like, i got to play this track because this track is awesome. I love this track. I pressed play and I turned around and started talking. And the the promoters, they didn't notice straight away, but like within a few minutes, the dance floor had completely emptied apart from one drunk girl who was just kind of like stood there, just, just, just completely a comatose, just floating around the stage. And I was like, oh my God, what the hell have I done? Had to try to win everybody
3: back again. It was kind of embarrassing. Before we um, launch into how you came about joining the Libertines and and whatnot, 20 years ago, yesterday, Arsenal did an absolute demolition job on Wolves, beating Wolves 4-1 at Molyneux. Quick uh, couple uh, of goals here.
4: After eight minutes.
0: And it was sublimely taken by the Dutchman. It's Colin Cameron to take. With depth. Craddock.
1: Go! Ganea!
3: Absolute demolition by Arsenal that day, but for the (laughs) Wolves fans watching tonight, great moment for Vio Ganea scoring past Jens Lehmann. 20 years ago, Gary, Libertines were just about to sort of embark on making the money. Releasing of up the bracket not long after the self titled libertines album what's your sort of memories from back then and how did it sort of coincide with your memories of what supporting arsenal back then um actually that's a that's that that
0: actually is an amazing question because at that point in time i was living in angel in islington right down upper street if you if you go if you literally walk Twenty minutes down Upper Street, then make a left. Um, you'll kind of you'll, it'll take you around about at that point in time to the old to to Highbury, and that's where you said go and watch our Arsenal play at Highbury. We we were we were not yet in the Emirates Stadium. The Emirates Stadium was just a, a glimmer in Arsenal's Wenger's dreams. Um, but um, but no, I just kind of I kind of remember the fact that everything that was ha- happening at that point in time was was just. Happening. There was no real plan. Like when I, when I joined the band, when I, when I met Pete and Carl, I, when, we, um, when we initially started playing, we were just a three piece. It was just me, Pete and Carl. John was in the band, but he left the band to um, do his A-levels me and Pete and Carl, we were in the studio, and we're in in, in a plethora of of studios, starting at the East Linton Arts Factory, um, which, which again is just around the corner from the Arsenal. And the first thing that we played together was Horror Show. And they and, and Horror Show at that point in time was a completely different track. And they just allowed me to kind of like, rearrange and do whatever I wanted with it. And it was just, and, and it was at that point in time that, w- that we kind of like found something that was kind of simpatico, Prior to that, we were, we, we used to hang out at his Pope called Phil Thif- Phil Mcnastis. And, and it was at that point in time that when we actually realized there was some, there was kind of like kinetic energy between us because we kind of liked the same things. We liked the same music. We had the same kind of like historical approach to, to life. Like, you know, uh, they were, they were outsiders. I'm the, I'm still kind of an outsider. I don't really hang out with that many people per se. I, 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 I just don't because I don't know why to be honest. I'm I I I guess I'm I'm kind of one of those geeks that always kind of like um, I'd rather sit down with a book, read some absolute nonsense, or create some music, which is a nightmare for my family because you know it can be like two, three o'clock in the morning. And if I've got an idea, then I've got to get up and I've got to start doing some stuff. It's just kind of it's just it's a constant it's a it's a constant drive of creativity within the house, so it's 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 a it's a little, it's a little bit kind of crazy. I was actually supposed to go to the Brits party tonight, and um, my manager um for uh, various artists, Dave Bianchi, um, he sent us a message on Friday saying, "Well, you just come to the Brits party. You never go, and I never go because I'm not really particularly that interested." But then I thought, you know, why don't I just take my missus? We'll just go. It might it might be kind of fun. But she's just started a new job, and she's just like, I just really just. I just don't have the time. She's just, she's killing herself to get this job done. And it's an amazing job. She's working for Alexander McQueen. And she's just, she's just, she's just absolutely trying her best to kind of make sure that she doesn't drop any balls whatsoever. And as soon as she said no, I was just like, well, what am I going to do? I'm not going to hang out with people who already have other people to hang out with. I'm not just going to stand there. I'm not going to stand there and hope for people to want to come and talk to me. I'm just going to stay home, do some cooking. And go back to my studio and write some crappy weird ass music like like i normally do play some guitar play some piano play some drums i'm just going to do that because that's kind of like that that is my my level of comfortability and i'm, I'm glad that, that you've chosen
3: um a nighting with the fan cast over a night at the brits i mean for me to know Brian, well done on that um, <laughs> as i mentioned just 20 years ago Austin and the libertines were about to sort of storm the uk Maybe not so much in Europe. You haven't really cracked that for, for a good few years now. Uh, I did see an Instagram post on Carl Barat's Instagram the other day, uh, signed an autograph from Arsene Wenger saying, I wish your three quarters of the band uh, great success and thank you for your support. I mean, wh- what does Arsene Wenger sort of mean to you as a, an Arsenal supporter? Were you glad I, that he left in the end or did he overstay his welcome? Or he, we- he, did, he
0: never overstayed his welcome because I am. Um, I... I I got told from a source that I that I believe to be um, quite kind of like um, succinct, um, that he would have left earlier in his in, in his tenure as a manager, but there just wasn't anybody to take over. There just there just wasn't anybody to take over, and it, without him, shoring up everything that was Arsenal at that point in time. I mean, we have to also kind of remember that with the squad that he had, without buying any premier players. He managed to keep Arsenal within the top four for donkeys. Yes, he so how he did that, I've got no idea. Our Arsenal fans, for me, are some of the some of um, some of the most loyal to a fault fans in the entire world. And they really—I was—I um, was Instagramming one this morning about um, the use of um, Nicholas Pepe as a, as a false nine, and this dude was just like, "Well, he's not a false nine. It's just not what happens if what happens if he fails? And I'm like, you're not a coach. You're not a manager. And it's not just about like being able to pick up a phone or play um, FIFA 22 or whatever. It's not about that. You're dealing with really young personalities, young men who've been told, young men and women now who've been told that they're amazing. They're amazing all of the time. And now you have to go and enforce an ideology in them when they already have one enforced on them that is more individually orientated and that's every manager within the premier league that we're talking about right now They're, you know it's it's not as simple as can you can you get the best out of the player it's about can you enforce an ideology in that player that they will be able to to stick with and grow as a player and an individual throughout their tenure within the club that's why I like the likes of pep guardiola Absolutely freaking amazing! What he's been able to do over these years—keep that consi- that level of consistency, not dropping off at all, not having players go, "Yeah, we're amazing, we've done it. Yeah, we don't need to work as hard now because we're absolutely amazing." He's not allowed that to happen. That is the problem. That that, hap- that is the problem. That is what happened with George Graham. George Graham was wasn't able to keep that level of consistency because he, what Arsene Wenger um, inhabit, what what he took over from. Was the majority of George Graham's team? He didn't create something completely new. He just took George Graham's team and added a few little pieces to the pod. That's all he did.
3: That's what's wrong with today's game, now Gary. There's too many people on YouTube doing football podcasts who think they know football. <laughs> <laughs> that's what—that's the biggest problem in the world right now, Gary. All these YouTube, all these YouTube and TikTok football people. <laughs>
0: But it all started. It all started with Arsenal. It all started with Arsenal, and I think the Arsenal um, kind of like video, whatever it's called. I think I think it's become really, really toxic. It, it's it, it's a little bit too toxic. And and if you look at it from the point of view of the in, the environment in its entirety, um, why would you want to come and become involved in a toxic environment?
3: Yeah, I think Arsenal Football Club themselves sort of. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure whether there was sort of legal. Uh, proceedings brought against that channel because I think Arsenal was saying I think they made them change their name from Arsenal fan TV to nah, AFTV nah, because they, they were, were saying they he was bringing too much sort of negativity towards the club yeah yeah they did um like so what sort of memories going back to those eras I mean I know obviously being in the Libertines in the early noughties I imagine it's still a bit of a blur to you but what sort of Arsenal memories stand out for you Ah, oh, what
0: sort of Arsenal members stand up for me? God, blimey.
3: Have you had any sort of Arsenal players come to any of your gigs in the past? Not to my knowledge. I mean, we have we have had,
0: um, what's his name? Crouchy. Crouchy turned up to a, a game when he was playing for Liverpool and he did the robot in, in 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 the in you know amongst the crowd in the pit. <laughs> the, yeah he's just, he wasn't in the pit he was like you didn't even need to be in the pit he was right at the back and you could we everybody could see him because he was so big and he and he, when we were playing and he did the robot and we've seen him before uh, beforehand in enemy awards and stuff and he's 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 he's, he's a nice geezer he's, he's, he's a pretty good guy um Regarding, oh, one of my, one of my favorite, um, uh, just kind of like going on on a slight tangent. My eldest son, Wolf, was really ill a few years ago. He got um, septicemia, nearly died. And I and Arsene Wenger um, sent a fully signed um, kind of like um, set of um, photos of the whole team and sent a little letter as well as telling Wolf to get better, which was amazing.
3: It's the little things you remember, isn't it? It's the little things. It's the little things. And, and, I just, mean, and it's just, and it's not. Sorry, sorry.
0: sorry. <laughs> it's not. It's not just about the football. I mean, that's not. That's not why everybody gets involved in in football. That's not. That's not why you're here. It's about the fact that it creates community. But unfortunately, we live in we're living in a world right now where community is kind of like fragmented. And because community is fragmented, that then has an adverse effect on football because we all spend more time in our community than we do in the football community. The football community happens, say for instance, if we're just talking about a Saturday, it's, it's a few hours on a Saturday. It's a few, hours, a few hours on a Saturday where you just get to hang out with your mates and just like kind of like be involved in that community for a period of time. You go to the pub before the game, you go to the game, you go to the pub after the game, and you're just with your mates, and it's just that community. But that community now, because of the outside world, because of the macro world, Has become has become slightly kind of like disenfranchised, which is a damn shame.
3: Really, you talk about um, just the little things there. Everyone's not got enough time on their hands now, regardless of what sort of state, work, uh, personal life they're living. So, for someone like Arsene Wenger, who probably has a million letters from fans all across the world or you know the, the club yeah. again one billion tweets asking for autographs can we do this can we do that for him to take his time out like oh, that's a, a nice thing you originally correct me if i'm wrong are from the the midlands originally and i i took it upon myself to to suggest to you earlier that you named your son wolf because you had a soft spot for wolves <laughs> tell me i'm wrong gary
0: that's right you're completely right you are 100 right now I, I i didn't because of wolves, but um but my family, my mum my and dad still live in Brum, So on the other occasion, I find myself back in um, Hansworth Wood, which is only, what, 12, 15 miles away from, from Wolverhampton. I remember one of, one of the last times I went to Wolverhampton, I went to see Ben Harper play at the Civic Hall, other than like, being within the liberties. I mean, I'm just, I'm just not about just going for the day and just hanging out. And Wolverhampton's a great place. It, it's it's beautiful. Like, there's, there's the kind of, what is it? Um, uh, is it like the like? There's like a beaches area where there's loads of bars and stuff, and and it's it's. I can't remember what it, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it, 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 it's 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 kind of cool.
3: I think it's uh, definitely yeah. been well. Obviously, since uh, COVID's yeah. taken place, it's been a, it's definitely been a while since you've been back to Wolverhampton, the the Paris of the Midlands, as I like to call it. Um, <laughs> but hopefully, we can get you and the band back there uh, at the new Civic whenever that reopens. I know we, you played uh, with the Dirty Pretty Things at the wharf Room, which. For me, still the best gig I've ever been to in my life. Any memories of that night? I
0: re- I remember that because my dad, it was his birthday one of the nights there. And my dad came out on stage and the whole audience sang happy birthday to my dad. Really loud and resounding. And the only time, the only ever time I've heard uh, an audience sing that loudly about anything was when we play the Barrowlands in Glasgow. And because that, you know, I... I that is kind of that 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 audience at the Barrowlands is just it's just another level, but Wolverhampton gave him an absolutely amazing good run for their money. My dad was kind of like really embarrassed. I loved it. I loved the fact that my dad felt all sheepish and was like, "What the hell am I doing here?" It was it was, it was pretty cool, and I was very much a testament to um, the Wolverhampton audience. It's I've quite a compliment
3: to co- compare the, the Wolverhampton um, sort of gig scene to. Glasgow, because that that Glasgow bunch are they're a bunch on there. Um, I think that Dirty pretty thing, uh, gig at the Wolfram was the week where the album was released, and I think I ended up that on was- stage that night, hiding behind the speakers for about half an hour of that gig, <laughs> and then as soon as I actually jumped on the stage, you like decided to stage dive off.
0: <laughs> well, one of the things that I re- really remember about that gig as well, I think we played two nights there, maybe one night, I can't remember. Um, but afterwards, we we went. Well, actually, we, we were driving up to Glasgow straight afterwards. Actually, to go to the Barrowlands. Um, funnily enough, and but Carl and Dids they they got picked up in cars and they got driven down to London to do um, Soccer AM, which I found I was really really annoyed. Well, I wasn't really, really annoyed. it was. It was kind of cool. It was. It was kind of cool. But Carl, he, Carl, Carl's an Arsenal fan, but literally knows nothing about Arsenal. Doesn't know anything about Arsenal. He just you know, he supports them because they're from his hoodie. Right? They're, they're from. They're from our area. They're from our ends, and that's who we support because it's a comi- it's, You know, it's not just about the football; it's about the community. I mail. I mailed some 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 bloke this morning who was complaining about the decisions that um, Arteta was making. And I just said, "Well, what are you going to do? You're not a manager." And you know what? If Arsenal get demoted down to the second tier football, I'm still going to be a fan because this is this is my hometown. This is this, this is my team from here and I support my team from here. This is this is, and it's and it's more about the community and the fact that when you go to a game, it is really kind of like respective of the entire community and that's one of the reasons why i i love supporting arsenal because it you look you, you look out into in, in into the emirates now i wish it was a high, i wish it was hybrid but you look out into the into the emirates now and it looks like the community it looks like the entire community you see everybody there all shades of color or whatever that's what you see there that is arsenal i think the only other team that i see that might be like that would be um crystal palace
3: I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, they, have, they have got a big community spirit. Crystal Palace. I um, haven't seen
0: anything else like it. And for me, it's about it is it, it is it is about the it is about that that community spirit that community coming together. We shouldn't have community coming together at Christmas and New Year's. It should be all year round. Black History Month isn't a month; it's twelve months of the year. We should have community spirit twelve months of the year.
3: Correct. There's a bit of an unwritten saying that footballers want to be musicians and musicians want to be footballers any sort of sentiment with that with you
0: i'd be great no i'd suck the funny thing is that my son my both my boys visit my both my boys before um covid um they got scouted by tottenham
3: <laughs> how, would, how would that have felt for you gary uh, they, were, they were
0: there they, they they were there i had to sign the contracts and they were at tottenham
3: it's 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 all about their. Uh their future is what it? they
0: wanted it was. The, it's what they wanted they, were they can join like, Arsenal
3: when they when they make it big can now they? they can do all, the, <laughs> do all the do all the academy work and then join arsenal afterwards like Lu- uh, harry kane did the opposite way
0: yeah exactly now luckily enough covid happened then then they just, then they took up skateboarding and now they've just gone back to the local teams and they're just like my eldest son kind of summed it up because where i was taking him to his local team, which which who, had, since he was eight years old, then won the Islington and Camden League every year. They're just ridiculously good. They're just awesome. And then his school team, and then he was at Tottenham as well. So he was doing football virtually every day of the week. He's only just turned 12, and this was before COVID. So between the ages of eight and 10 years old, he was playing football Every day of the week, basically, and it got to that point where he just kind of like lost. He just became so disenfranchised with playing football that he just he literally said, um, "I don't want football to be my career." And I was like, "You're ten years old. Oh, okay. I see where you're coming from. Okay."
3: So we Pretty so we a ten year old. I, yeah. I was just playing the Super Nintendo around that age. Yeah, we. I was just like, you know, something.
0: If you don't want to do it, then just stop doing it. It's completely fine. It's completely fine.
3: Is there anyone in the football world that you've come across that you've not been sort of starstruck but felt privileged to to meet? There's a picture here with with the libertines and Eric Cantona. I mean what was that for was it hope for Palestine gig? That was
0: for that yeah that was for hope for hope for Palestine. But if you look in um, if you look in um, in in Cantona's eyes I mean I think you find that he's the one that's a little bit more starstruck.
3: I, I don't blame him. I mean, is <laughs> so nineties. I was only, I was only
0: kidding. He, he is amazing. I mean, the, the funny thing was, it's not even funny. Um, for that gig, he came out on stage and recited a poem, and he walked out on stage, and obviously he he received kind of like the applause of the audience, and everybody everybody screaming Cantonese, Cantonese, Cantonar and he literally just put his hands out, and the crowd went silent. Just went. Definitely sign it. Nobody said a word, and then he and then he recited his poem, and then he literally just walked off the stage, and everybody was like, you could see, you could feel like it was the pent up kind of like emotion in everybody for the fact that this icon was there, and he he wasn't just there; he was the delivery of this of this of this beautiful poem. I can't remember I can't remember what it was about because I spent most of my time literally looking like this. <laughs> As did everybody. As did everybody. And it was just such a beautiful moment. And then to meet him afterwards was just like it was it was pretty it was it was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. The one was person he, was
3: he aware of much of the the music? Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 He, yeah, he knew who we were. I think maybe, maybe he'd done a little bit of research beforehand, excuse me, maybe done a little bit of research, but he knew who we were. And he was, he was more than happy to kind of like come say hi. We, we hung out for a, a good few minutes considering. I mean, he didn't just come in and say hi and win them, then take a photograph. He stayed in the dressing room. We all hung out. We had a, we had a good old chat, Peter um, being Peter, being the football mogul, um, really kind of like took the make and really tried, tried to kind of like get in there and get as much information out of him as possible, get as much um, knowledge regarding how much he remembered from what he did about particular games. Um, and oh, and obviously, you know, the, the reason why Arsene Wenger said three quarters of the liberties is because Peter is a Queen's, Queens Park Rangers fan.
3: Yeah. Someone has to be down the Gary. Someone has to be. But he got, he he's the one that actually got that signature. I mean, it's, it's it's nice of him to, uh, to yeah. do that. Obviously, Arsene Wenger is a, a legend within the football. You mentioned Peter Doherty there, and we uh, we mentioned Carl earlier. I found some pictures of a Soccer 6 event featuring these two. Quite old pictures there. Yeah. Uh, Carl in his Arsenal top and competing in uh, some sort of QPR-themed uh, Soccer 6 shirt. Was well, there enough pictures of you playing football anywhere, Gary? I wasn't invited to play. Unreal.
0: I'm gonna pl- I'm gonna put it out there exactly like it is.
3: Was it invited? <laughs> well, what should, where, what what was your position when you played, Gary? Compared to those two, um, I'd be a holding midfield fielder. Yeah, like a Gilberto Silva, Patrick Vieira type, or
0: yeah, kind of yeah. If you get if if you, if you show some skills and get past me, you're gonna you're gonna re- you're gonna regret it. <laughs> you, you, you'll get past, but you won't get the shot away. You, well, you might even get the shot away, but that'll be the only shot you get away.
3: How privileged was it to play a part with sponsoring Margate with the Libertines? How did that come about?
0: The, I think that came about because of um, Peter's manager, Jai. I think he was the one that actually instigated that. And I was and that's actually pretty cool. I mean, unfortunately, due to whatever circumstances that that, that, that were around at that, that particular point in time, um, I haven't actually had a chance to go down there yet. But I've been in contact and been in, in conversation with the guys regarding how it was all set up and stuff. And it was actually pretty cool. It was actually, it was, it was actually pretty cool. I mean, w- w- you know, we'd think that there'd be a lot of like a more of a business acumen regarding how it was actually set up. And then like, you know, the, the 10 of a period of time that, that, you know, it would be set up for any, but it was basically set up for on, on the basis of a like, that's all it was set up for. It was just set up on the basis of a like. And and, and the fact that we were um, in Margate at that particular point in time trying to do something that was, that is, I should say, very community orientated. I mean, I mean we have the hotel and we have the studio down there as well. And, you know, it is is it it is a business venture, but it is also kind of like a viable and part of the Margate community. And hopefully it is going to be one of the things that kind of like transcends the dynamic that actually is the perception, what is Margate right now? Margate has his perception of being very kind of um, Brexit, um, Farage-led, <laughs> kind of like, is a very, very kind of like um, very um, poor, but right-wing-led kind of like enclave. And it's, it's kind of not that at all. It's very, very community-orientated. And I think, unfortunately, it's been kind of like, it's one of those, one of those, um, places that's been kind of like left behind and derided by by society, you know, just like the likes of Blackpool and Scarborough and so forth that were kind of like bastions of British kind of like seaside and tourism culture. But as soon as people kind of like found, I don't know, Magaluf, <laughs> why the hell would you go to Margate? We're in, in actuality, you know, it, it it is very kind of like, it's a very poignant, beautiful part of British... Culture and landscape that people should kind of like really try to in, in, investigate more because it's not, you know, at the end of the day, it's not just about catching as much sun as possible, it is about kind of like investing yourself in what is British culture. And the more you can actually invest yourself in the entirety of what is British culture, then the more you have more of an understanding of everything that is around you.
3: Shortage by the sea, no. <laughs> no, I thought that's all I was told.
0: No, no, that is the biggest amount of bullshit that I've ever heard in my entire life. I used to live in in Dalston in Hackney, and I remember um, when I moved out of there to live in Highbury, and I remember being back in there to meet some mates, going out for a drink, and I walked past some walked past some kids who I and I heard them say that they were really really happy and cool to be in D Town. Now, this is where I got mugged in Dalston twice. I got, um, I remember coming back off tour with Dirty Pretty Things once. And I literally got got, up, got into a vehicle from Heathrow Airport and went, got, um, went home. And I found there was a bunch of police cars around my house. Because I'd been away for so long, the drug dealers were using my bins as a drop-off point. And I came home, literally came home from tour and there was a CID there, there was a Met there, there was everybody there. I thought I was fucked, I thought I was screwed. But luckily they were just like, we, we know you've been, we know this ain't got nothing to do here. We know we know who whom the corporates are. We're just kind of like here, doing um, a follow up kind of nonsense. But that was the day that I came home. So so for some cool, young, little hip university kids to call Dalston D-Town, which I just knew was just kind of like my ends that was just kind of like dodgy as fuck, it was a little bit kind of like weird. But, you know, gentrification, baby.
3: That's what happens. Considering the tabloid history of the Libertines, baby shambles, whatever, how the sun didn't pick up on that story, we'll never know.
0: The sun didn't care about me right then, because at that, that, that particular point in time, Peter was in going to court literally every other week.
3: That's what I was getting at. I'm sure that I'm I'm surprised the sun didn't pin that one on Peter, to be honest.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, um, there's, this is part of my, um, problem that I have with the rock and roll industry, which I think the pop industry is kind of, albeit don't get me wrong. There is some great pop music, but the industry itself has kind of got it right because regardless of whom you are within the industry you will get applauded for your efforts and within the pop industry if you if you if you if you've made an effort to improve or create something the pop industry will will applaud you rock and roll still looks at things from the likes of the lead singer the lead artist anybody else we don't really care about I mean, I'm surprised when John Enwistle died that it made the press, even though it made the press for all the right reasons.
3: One of the most underrated bass players in the in the history of music. You can, you can try and be modest on that one, but I'm not going to allow you. To, he was he's literally good, isn't he? Are you kidding me? He was awesome.
0: <laughs> John Enwistle.
3: We oh look what he's saying. Goodness. bass players never get the credit, do they? No,
0: they don't. No, they don't.
3: Right. I'm going to bring on another Arsenal fan to sort of uh, double-team me at the moment. 90-minute Dot coms, Harry Simeo. How you doing, Harry? Hey, guys. How you doing? How
2: you doing, Harry? You all right. All good. Nice to meet you, Gary. Nice to meet you, Harry. <laughs> Love it. Love
3: it. I'll just come nice to uh, Gary first. Gary, what's your sort of uh, opinions on Arsenal and the way the, the club are fair at the moment? What's your opinions on Mikel Arteta?
0: Um, I have no problems with him at this moment in time. I think what he's doing is trying to enforce an ideology. I'm, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these guys that is... That, that is kind of like um, what's what, what's the phrase? Respect the process. I, I I don't care about this respect the process phrase. That is that's just like a soundbite as far as I'm concerned. But I do respect the fact that there has been an effort made to change what has been kind of like a, an historical approach to how we kind of play football and how we approach the 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 Arsenal Foundation as it as. As it is within its entirety. Um, we, you know, within the Arsen Wenger years, it worked amazingly, even when people were saying we weren't doing great, you know, but we were still finishing in the top four. He didn't have the money to buy any great players because he spent all of his money building the stadium and it filmed up the finances. We were in an extremely lucky place to be in, and we were making the Champions League. Every year, which meant we got that extra bonus of being in the Champions League, which was, which, 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 at that point in time, if you're looking at it purely from a fiscal point of view, was was kind of amazing. It kept it kept, us buoyant, it kept us going. It kept us being one of the big six within the United Kingdom in the Premier League. It was it was amazing, and I think there's been I think because of the advent of social media I, and everything that Arsenal TV has done, I think it has. I think it has solid the kind of name to a to a to a degree. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to say that it that it's completely 100 negative. There is a massive love for Arsenal um, within that kind of framework, but unfortunately, I just I think it's it's kind of it's it it, 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 it spouts a certain amount of negativity that it isn't actually needed. I mean, look how long it took Liverpool to make it back to where they were. Now it took them at least ten years to get back to where they are now manchester city even longer we look at manchester city now we 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 say we want we want to be like manchester city but they were excuse my terminology shit for absolutely donkey's ears they were shit for longer than they've been great they were symbols they were we are talking about the possibility of it being what four five years that's absolutely nothing within the framework of re-establishing what is now the new trail of what will be Arsenal.
3: Harry's just got serious. The glasses are on for uh, the, the, the non-YouTube viewers here. What did you make to the, uh, the lack of recruitment in the, in the window, Harry? I know, I know for myself being a Wolves fan, our window wasn't great. We let a or I go to Barcelona for what on paper seems free for six months with an option to buy, which it must be some sort of financial reasoning which they'll have to end up paying 30 million, which is the option fee. What was your opinions on Traore going to Barcelona and Arsenal's window?
2: Traore going to Barcelona surprised me. Um, you know, I thought he was headed for Spurs. I'm glad he didn't go there because I think he's a player that's got plenty Agreed. to offer.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I think he's, he's, a- he's one of those players that he, he just makes things happen. And um, I know there's question marks over his end product and we hear that a lot you know when he gets into the positions does he deliver the right the, the right type of cross does he pick out his man i get all of that but i think that he's somebody that's got such incredible physical attributes that he's really difficult to deal with whoever he comes up against so for him going to barcelona i was surprised i watched him play for barcelona at the weekend against atletico madrid and he had an instant impact so uh, yeah happy for him to do well considering it's not <laughs> <expensive>. Um <laughs> But in terms of of Arsenal's window, I've got mixed feelings on this, uh, Dan, because initially, you know, when the window slammed shut, I was sitting there thinking, well, this is really frustrating. You know, Arsenal have had an opportunity here to add to the squad, improve the squad and potentially enhance our chances of finishing in the top four. But then when I think about it with a kind of calmer mindset and I look at what is the bigger picture at Arsenal, which I think is clearly a rebuild, It's a strip back of a, a really overloaded squad of players yeah. who weren't good enough, who cost a lot of money, who were on big wages, which is largely why we couldn't get rid of them for so long, yep. because nobody would take on those contracts. I think this is what needed to happen. And I'm actually glad that we didn't go and and, and blow a crazy amount of money on somebody that we weren't totally sure on, because yeah. that exact approach is why we are where we are now. And it's why we dropped out of the top six, because we spent vast amounts of money on people that just weren't good enough. And look, Arsenal tried. They tried to sign Dusan Vlavic. He was the man that they wanted. They couldn't make it happen. He had his heart set on Juventus. Then the opportunity came along to have talks with Real Sociedad about Alexander Isak. And... There was a release clause, £75 million, but Arsenal didn't feel he was worth that. And I'm glad Arsenal stood their ground and didn't throw an extra 25-odd million at somebody just because the fans wanted to sign in. So I think there is a plan. There is a process. I know people hate that term, but there is a process. And for me, I think what we saw in this window is Arsenal not panic and abandon the process, but instead stick to the original plan and, and hope that we can cope for the remainder of the season. It's a bit of a gamble, yeah, but I think it's a calculated gamble. And I think if we can have a big window again in the summer, we'll, we'll look back on this window and say it was probably the right thing. Can I interject
0: yeah. really quickly? Go quickly. Because mm-hmm. I love that. That was awesome. That was, that was, those were wise words. One quick question, Harry. <laughs> Go um, ahead, mate. What do you think about the prospect
2: of um, Pepe being a false nine? I think it's it's something that I wouldn't mind seeing. I think that Nicolas Pepe's, you know, really good in front of goal. I think when he gets around the penalty area, his unpredictability and the fact that he can cut in on that left foot of his um, and produce wonderful finishes is obviously great. And it's something I'd like to see. My only issue um, with that is I think in Mikel Arteta's team and in his system, th- he has a very specific role for the number nine. And I think that reco- that role requires discipline. I think that's why Lacazette plays it better than Aubameyang, because he drops into those deeper positions and he creates space for others. Nicolas Pepe, for me, in my view, to get the best out of him, he needs to have freedom. And I don't know if he'll get the structural freedom that he needs playing in that centre-forward role. So that's the thing that puts me off it. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and the fact that he doesn't have a right foot, but me.
3: <laughs> Bringing in someone now, former Wolves, Arsenal, and unfortunately for you two guys, former Tottenham playmaker, all-round good guy, Rowan Ricketts. What was your sort of opinions on what you just heard there, Nicholas Pepe as a force nine, and what was your thoughts on the whole Pierre Emerick Aubameyang situation in this in January?
4: So for me, I, I, um, good e- good afternoon. Oh, good evening. Good afternoon from over here. Good evening. <laughs> good evening. How you doing? Good Yeah, over here it's uh, what are we at now. Two fifty in the afternoon in Toronto. Where are you at? I'm in I'm Toronto, Canada.
0: Oh, whereabouts? My my brother lives in Toronto. Well, he lives in um, Scarborough.
4: Oh yeah, I am about. I'm in Mississauga.
0: Oh, my aunt and uncle used to live in Mississauga. We used to live in Malton,
4: yeah yeah i'm about probably 20 15 minutes from there yeah know.
0: all right cool i know it, i know it well <laughs> all right, all
4: right. how many times you've been over right. here
0: um no I haven't, I haven't been back since about 91 92 because my aunt and uncle they moved to atlanta
4: okay cool so um for me um going on first about the the uh, Birmingham situation that was a big surprise for me to see him go for free that was horrendous for me business by arsenal um a player of that magnitude someone that they was paying what was he on 300 350.
0: yeah he's on 350 but in saying that they are saving 25 million a year
3: in 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 salary i think it was purely just to avoid another o's or situation wasn't it
4: yeah yeah which, which is which is good but surely they were seeing this coming a long time ago and they could have got something for him um but yeah but that happens. But so, And then the other thing you were talking about, which was Pepe. So for me, Pepe, good football player. The way that Arteta sets his team up, if he can give them the right direction and give someone like Pepe that freedom, I think he could definitely be effective in that role. You know, he's got the ability in a 1v1. He draws people in. I think he can see a pass. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think he'll be a bad little... Uh, option for the
3: force night i'm just gonna drag it back guys because obviously wolves in my opinion are a bigger club than than your sides <laughs> north london red north london red or i can't remember what they, what they were called on pro evolution dan you've been dan you've been drinking on the job mate yeah
0: yeah <laughs> me me and gary
3: i'm on the on the on, gary's on the whiskey i'm on the liqueur tonight harry it's, it's tuesday night tuesday night's Thursday night
0: yeah tuesday night's a new, new thursday
3: <laughs> right, uh, Thursday night on BT Sports is Wolves versus Arsenal, Premier League head-to-head, we've played each other 14 times, Wolves have won three uh, winning the last two consecutively uh, which was the first time we did uh, the league double-out Arsenal since 1978 79, I don't think me, you, me, you and uh, Rowan were actually born and Harry Gary was just a little pup I think <laughs> What's your sort of thoughts on that predicted Wolves line-up there, is there anyone that sort of gives you concern, uh, Harry? Uh, yeah, there's a few players
2: there. I, I like uh, Daniel Padens. I'm a massive fan of his. Um, so obviously, I'm from a Greek background, so I saw a lot of him at Olympiacos. Um, and I also saw a lot of Jose Sar as well. Uh, so they're players that I'm not surprised they've come to the Premier League and, and had an impact. The midfield is really strong. Uh, Neves and Moutinho, I think they've proven that they can do The physical side of the game and cope with the pace of the Premier League, but also have incredible technical ability. Um, Jimenez is obviously a threat as well. um, I I like Semedo at times. At times I've not been overly impressed. I think Ait Nouri's coming on well. So I think that's a really, really good side. And I've been massively impressed with Wolves this season, by the way.
3: I think uh, we've taken a lot of Uh, people by surprise this season. A lot of our our own fan base to a degree uh, losing Nuno in the summer. I think we had, uh, when you were on last time, Rowan, I think we were a bit concerned about how Wolves were going to fare this season with um, the the, the managerial change, the sort of culture change after Nuno had left. Wolves got Raul Jimenez back. What are your thoughts on the way that Wolves have played this season?
4: I thought they've um, played very well and um, I think that the club has probably learned, uh, and not a lot of clubs do this because they usually jump from manager to manager. But I think that the club have learned and, and seen that the the blocks that the previous managers left are stuff that they should build upon as opposed to just keep changing it. They've spent a lot of money on players over the last few years to maintain their position in the Premier League. And I think they found the right guy that can come in and follow what um, – previous coach has done and, and they're doing really really well um it's nice to see them sitting in a, in a good healthy position um like people need to be honest and say like Wolves, as much as they've done well over the last two three seasons if Wolves, i think finished you know if they stay in the premier league i think when you look at the last 15 years that's seen as successful so to see them sit in i think what are they in like seventh eighth yeah um, yeah yeah, I think that's um, really good, and but still a long way to go, you know.
3: There is still a long way to go. Um, without sort of putting the fear into Harry, do you do you see us? A, do you see us as a rival for that top four place or not? Um, I, I don't mean this. Who's to come is across... that top four place at the moment for you, Harry? Because I, I don't me, think there's anyone really trying to put a marker down on that fourth place.
2: Yeah, I think What's it's here? I think it's quite open, but I think the the, the favourites for me are still Manchester United. I still think that they've got the quality in the squad. And I know they've not been great under Ralph Rangnick, but I think there are s- signs that their performances are starting to get a little bit better. We saw them against Middlesbrough in the FA Cup the other night and they were beaten, but it was a game that they really dominated. It was a game they had the chances to win. And I thought, that, I don't want to say this as an Arsenal fan, but I thought they were robbed in the goal that they conceded as well. So I, I feel like Man United will will get there. Tottenham obviously have the Conte factor as well, which has improved them dramatically. Um, So I think it's quite open, but I don't think Wolves are are in there for the top four. And and that's not meant disrespectfully. I think that for Wolves to finish in the top six, top seven, top eight would still be a really great season. Um, And we shouldn't lose sight of that. But I I just think it's any one of Spurs, Man United and Arsenal. I still make United the favourites, though.
3: What's your opinions on that that fourth place, Gary? I just want to make a quick comment. I think Man United as a club have finished because even the refs have turned against them there after that handball against Middlesbrough. <laughs> Who's finishing fourth for you this season, Gary?
0: Unfortunately, I think it's Tottenham. Unfortunately, I I, I, I think it's Tottenham. I think we, if we're lucky, we'll finish. We'll come in in six, but I I think it it's it's tottenham and i think a lot of that is is as you mentioned beforehand it, it is that Conte kind of like um factor that he's been there before and he really he, he understands the premier league i think the finances at tottenham are a little bit more assured than they are at at arsenal obviously because they've actually had albeit a mediocre transfer window but they've had a transfer window where was, whereas with us we haven't actually had any for so for us it's more of a a case of two steps forward and one step back and that one step back i think it just might be just a little bit too much for us to get into the top four but regarding that for me it's not it's not about whether we make it into the top four right now it's about whether we actually get ourselves into a position of actually getting that consistency so that when we move forward we are where we're supposed to be and i don't think we're there just yet I think we, we I think we need to do just a little bit more in the transfer window I think we, we I think we, there needs to be a little bit more kind of like patience regarding everybody and regarding everybody and what the manager is actually trying to accomplish and I think once that happens it'll be fine I mean we have to remember that um, I, I bring back um the, the 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 pep Guardiola thing there was a few years ago when Pep Guardiola finished third and made it into the into into the Champions League and people were talking about the fact that if he doesn't do any better he's going to be gone from Manchester City. It took him a good a good few years, a good 2 or 3 years for him to actually make his mark within the Premier League. Alex Ferguson was even longer and then he was able to create a dynasty. We just need to kind of like hold back on this whole ideology of 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 getting what we want. As soon as we can have it, it, they, it good things come to those who wait, and if you work for it, you can you can have whatever the heck you want. We just need to be able make make sure that everybody's on the same page. Basically,
3: are you envisaging a dynasty under Mikel Arteta, Rowan? Say that again, mate. Are you envisaging a, a dynasty under Mikel Arteta for Arsenal? Um,
4: n- yes and no. I I, I think. For for that four spot, do you think Spurs is going to have it? I, I think it's a coin toss between Arsenal and Spurs. I think Conte does have an impact um, on what's going to happen in the, the running. But I still feel that Arsenal um, now without like people sometimes forget when when a big player like a leaves, that also gives players in there. The, the the feeling of, of of belonging more or or being the man so i think we're yeah. going to see players now step up could be the likes of pepe um lacazette there and step up and really come to the front of things and i think it'll be between arsenal and spurs for that that fourth spot
3: looking at arsenal squad um in regards to the fixture on thursday how are you uh, seeing that 18 arsenal line up harry in regards to Coming up that's against walls away at Molyneux under the lights, you haven't got you've got similar depth to walls really. You've got a good sort of starting eleven, but the depth after that isn't great, is it?
2: No, it's not, and and obviously that's one of the big concerns for Arsenal at the moment. I think it'll be Ramsdale in goal. I am expecting it to be Tierney, Gabriel, uh, and White. The, the big question mark in this Arsenal side is who plays at right back. Doesn't look like Tommy Asu going to be available. He's not been involved in any of the training footage or, or images that we've seen over the last few days and weeks. So I think he's a big doubt. The question is, does Mikel Arteta bring Rob Holding into the heart of the defence and move Ben White out to right back? Or does he just bring Cedric in? If I had to guess, I think he's going to put Cedric in at right back. I think it will be Xhaka and Partey in the midfield with Odegaard just in front of them. And then I think the front three at the moment has to stay the way it is. There's an argument that Emil Smith-Rowe deserves to come back into the side. Uh, Obviously, he's our top scorer this season. So there's a big uh, kind of case for him to come in. but. I don't think you can drop Martinelli. I don't think you can drop Saka. And I just think Lacazette in his skill set is unique to everything else we have up top. So I think he plays as well.
3: What's your opinions going into the game on on Thursday, And Obviously, like I mentioned, it's quite a big game in the top half chasing those European places. How how do you see it actually going from a tactical point of view?
4: Um, I think Wolves are going to try to stamp their foot on the game in terms of possession. They're playing at home. They know that Arsenal is a team that... They 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 are best now when they're in possession. So if they can keep the ball away from Arsenal, um, so it won't allow Arsenal to build a bit of a rhythm, but also press them very high when they have it. If Wolves can do that at home, I think they've got a really good chance of winning the game, but it's 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 that, that patience to keep the ball away from them. Because when you're when you're playing when a team that likes to keep the ball plays against another team like to keep the ball. It's a real battle, it's a fine line of patience, when they're going to probe, when they're going to go. And if they can find that balance and, and maintain position, that will frustrate Arsenal. We're not used to playing without the ball unless they're playing against um, the big boys like City and, and Liverpool and Chelsea. So that's what they're going to have to do to win the game. But Arsenal on the other end, they've got to go in, when you're going in someone else's house, you go into their backyard you've got to go in there immediately and ruffle feathers immediately so it's going to be it's going to be interesting i think having people like Partey in midfield um zaka there maybe i wouldn't be surprised if they went with maybe and Nenny, because it's going to be important to win that midfield battle to maintain possession so it's not going to be easy easy game for for arsenal
3: any sort of feelings from from you, Gary, into this game? Obviously, I've just mentioned chasing those European places. Arsenal away from home.
0: I can, I, you know, I completely agree with Rowan regarding his um his his perspective uh, on, on what the game will be. I think, I think it's going to be extremely difficult for Arsenal because, as as mentioned beforehand, um, if we don't maintain a great deal of possession, especially with somebody, especially with teams that aren't. Like your Man City's, your Man United's, your Liverpools, um, we kind of like. It's almost as if we lose interest in the game, which is which is kind of which is kind of weird. And I and I think that, like under the tutelage that Wolverhampton have, of the the Wolves have had, I think they're gonna it's going to be a heavy kind of like um, percentage of them trying to maintain possess, possession of the ball. So then for us, it's going to be a little bit more of. Do we kind of like do we stick to the plan that that Arteta will have in front of us? I mean, I'm I'm hoping that Tammyasso will will actually play. I'm 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 hoping he will do. I think he just he just helps firm up the back a little bit more than the likes of um, Cedric Suarez um, would do. Um, but I can actually envisage Suarez playing as opposed to Tammyasso because he's been out for out for too long. Um.
3: I'm actually heartbroken that Adama Traore has gone to up to Barcelona because Adama coming up against Cedric Suarez would have just been... Yeah,
0: it would have been, yeah.
3: I mean, I, I think I could give Cedric Suarez a, a run for his money now. I think we're <laughs> both coming towards the end of our careers. <laughs> Game week 24 in the Premier League has uh, started. Obviously, um, Newcastle, Everton, West Ham, Watford, Burnley, Man United have all kicked off. Any sort of fixtures that stand out for you there, Rowan? We should be looking at apart from Wolves and Arsenal. In
4: terms of entertainment or... Anything, yeah. you
3: tell me and um, we'll see if we agree.
4: So, I don't care if you agree, first thing. Remove. So, Man City, Brentford, um, the, um, good game to watch. Just in terms of obviously entertainment. I think Brentford's going to go there. They may they may be a bit fearless. Um, Villa home to Leeds, entertaining Stevie G and one of my mentors, Michael Bill, putting their um, footprint onto that that squad. So going up against a team who play very, um, they have a very unique style. Leeds, right? It's kind of like hit or miss style. But it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Obviously, Liverpool, Liverpool, Leicester. Brendan Rodgers going back to his old stomping ground to Anfield. So that would be a good game to watch. Um, they're still missing. I think they're going to still be missing Sal- Sal- um, Salah and Mane. Salah and Mane will be missing still, right? Yeah. Yeah. And also, an interesting game to watch just because they lost the other day would be the Burnley game and the Man United game. Um, it's not easy for, for anyone after losing a game. But for the likes of Manchester United, they're going to have huge pressure. Um, to go there and, and, and win the game. So, so going there and, and drawing that game, I don't think it's an option. And there'll be a lot of pressure on the manager after such a, a, a bad result the other day against Borough.
3: If you were going to have a friendly bet on Wednesdays and Thursdays fixtures, Harry, pick three teams that are going to get a win. Uh,
2: I'm going to go with Man City as one, Tottenham two. And uh, I fancy Aston Villa. Um at home to Leeds. I think Leeds will go there and try and play them and and that could be a problem. They leave themselves exposed.
3: What's your actual score prediction for our game on Thursday, Harry? Uh score prediction. I'm gonna go with a
2: one-nil to the Arsenal. Go on, you gunners. One to the Arsenal.
4: <laughs> what, what was that, Rowan? Old school, old school is a one-nil to the Arsenal, a real old school chat
3: that's it. <laughs> what about you, Rome? What's your score prediction for Wolves-Arsenal?
4: Wolves-Arsenal, I'm going
3: to go 2-2. 2-2. Gary? 2-0 to the Arsenal. 2-0 to the Arsenal. I'm going to go with a classic 2022-23 20, season, 1-0 to the Wolves. Clean sheet. <laughs> Jose saw Max Kilman, showing everything up at the back. <laughs> and hopefully we'll be doing a podcast on... Friday night with a, a podcast to uh, review the win. Gary, you guys are going out on tour. I say you guys, you mean you mean more bands than uh, nurses at, in the NHS. <laughs> Dirty Pretty Things, Libertines, you're on tour March, April, May, the rest of the year. There's still uh, tickets out there. I'm keen on going to the, uh, the ballroom for Dirty Pretty Things and Libertines are at Manchester, Cardiff, Hatfield and Edinburgh later on in the year. Looking forward to that. Any new music due out anytime soon? Well, before you save it, I
0: I might have to kind of like I'm I'm not even sure I'm, I'm actually allowed to save this, but the um the um March twenty fourth gig has been double booked because I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be in South America. Whereabouts?
4: I'm going, Whereabouts?
0: I'm going to be I'm going to be in Colombia
4: in Bogota. <laughs> wow, that's where my wife's from, Colombia. Oh wow! <laughs> what are you going to be doing over there? I've
0: got a gig. I've got a I, I've got a gig in, in Bogota
4: in
2: yeah.
3: This is like a "This Is Your Life" episode with these 2 in it, arrow? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: they're they they're too famous for us, Dan. Man, <laughs> <know>? <laughs> yeah. So um, so um, I'm not, I'm not,
0: I'm not, I'm sure I'm not actually have, should have said anything, but hey, what the hell?
3: What are Fantast they going to do? Exclusive, Firing? dirty, pretty things. Any any new music?
0: Yeah we're, yeah we're working on it um right now we've just uh, like our booking agents have just booked so many shows it's like when are we actually going to be able to get into the studio to record it all so I'm, i I think for the majority um we I go back out on the road with the boys um in a couple of weeks time and I'm, ju- I'm just going to take a, a, a bunch of my own recording gear and just record as much as we can do on the road and we'll just see how just see what we can do
3: what's the last review Rowan in the Rowan Ricketts Academy? Uh, um, so I've been working on a
4: high performance program at the moment which is going to launch in September. Um, so it's a program where children will come to me at the facility at 8:30 in the morning and we'll do a bit of meditation and then we'll go on the pitch and work on some stuff like a lot of individual stuff. Then we'll bring them together and do some collective stuff. Um, so it's that half day. so 12 p.m they got to go to school then they got three and a half hours of school. So it's a a new project for myself, something I'm very excited about. I've had a great response from the parents and the children. I can't can't wait to get going. And then the other thing I'm doing at the moment, and some players are leaving this week. So I'm doing some um, exposure camps in England. So I've got children from here, elite children from here, flying over to England, and they're going to be training with academy coaches in England and academy players. So it's going to allow them to kind of, be seen by coaches but it's not a trial um, but it's going to allow them to be seen by certain coaches be assessed by them while playing against other signed players in England and the people that are going over actually um, they're actually going to go and watch the Wolves Spurs game Spurs Wolves game so, so so, they're going to get a chance to go and watch um, the two clubs where their coach played so that they're, they're flying in three days
3: what a privilege for those kids, Rowan, seeing the likes of and Ruben Neves and that Ari Kane, was a bit all right for Tottenham. <laughs> Harry, Chronicles of Aguna, Athletic Greens, tell us all about it. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, Chronicles of Aguna podcast available on all major podcast stores and, of course, on YouTube. Uh, part of the 90 Min Network, just like yourselves. Uh, so doing lots of great work, lots of great content. Uh, keeping it ticking over and obviously trying to keep up with the drama that is Arsenal, which is pretty much takes up all our time, I guess. Not surprised.
3: <laughs> you mentioned just before you came on, Harry, that the, the one of the biggest problems in football nowadays is YouTubers and people on Twitter who think they know football. I agree. We'll, we'll be back <laughs> after the uh, Wolves-Arsenal game this week with a podcast to review, hopefully a Wolves win. Playing us out this week on the show is Wolverhampton bass band Rosa we with Kill the King. We'll see you soon. Thanks for coming on, guys. Take care.
4: Take care, pal. <laughs>
1: When you're searching for the best prices on tickets to sports, concerts, or live shows, you've got to download the GameTime app. Whether you're planning the perfect night out or looking for something fun at the last minute, GameTime has you covered with deals up to 60% off. Forgot to plan ahead? No worries. GameTime has incredible last-minute ticket deals that get better as the event gets closer. Simply download the app to see a curated ticket list, including GameTime exclusive flash deals and zone deals that let you choose your section and pay less when GameTime selects your specific seats. With top-notch customer service and the lowest price guaranteed, there's a reason GameTime is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the world. Finding amazing deals for the best seats has never been easier. Score last-minute tickets for up to 60% off today. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PODCAST for 10% off your first purchase. That's code podcast for 10% off for the best ticket deals on sports concerts or live shows. Download game time. Now terms apply.